Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me are Tori. Hello, Internet. Seth. Hello. And Craig. Hey. Uh, so, speaking of good thing, who would like to start on that this week? Um, you know, I, I'll start because I didn't do one last week. Um, and I have to actually give a, a shout out to the the one that really started it all for me in podcast um the adventure zone i've been listening to their latest uh arc and have been enjoying the crap out of it and so if uh if anyone out there is also a fan of uh of the nerd type stuff D and all that goodness uh the adventure zone is fantastic and i cannot recommend recommend it enough i can second that the adventure zone is wonderful uh craig how about you this week, my good thing is brought to you by, uh, I guess, Warframe. I don't know. <laughs> um, I stopped playing for a little bit, but Warframe is really good for a free-to-play game. Even if it was a pay paid game, it's still really well done. But it's not. It's free, and that makes it awesome because Space Ninjas. All right, and Tori? Final Fantasy Dissidia came out this week. I've been looking forward to it forever. I haven't actually got it yet, as soon as possible, and I'm excited. So your good thing might be garbage. <laughs> it's a, it's a preemptive good thing. It's like, this will be good. It will be good, considering I have to pay money for it. It's not free to play. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh, my good thing is a TV show called The Good Place, uh, which is <laughs> basically what you get if you combine a perfect sitcom uh, with super cool plot elements that I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to talk about any details at all. Literally any. And uh, you get to like learn moral philosophy, which is something I didn't ever think I'd get from a sitcom, but it's so good. You know, you can mention it's Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Kristen Bell, Kristen Ted, Bell Danson. And Ted Danson. <laughs> I think that's the important part. That yeah, I don't so. actually know any of the other like cast members. Wait, isn't that on Netflix? I could swear I've I possibly the first season season on Netflix, one, yeah. season uh, one is, but season two just finished up. I have to watch it myself. Oh, while we're on TV shows, did anyone see the trailer for Stargate Origins? No, no, I don't actually watch TV. <laughs> I didn't really get into any. Of I watched Stargates Netflix except Universe. Stargate Universe was baller. I uh, really yeah, that's the one you got into. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Not not MacGyver. No. Stargate Universe. Stargate Universe. Fight me IRL. Um, you, can't, <laughs> you can't see this, but I have never rolled my eyes at someone so hard in my entire life. Come at me, bro. Do you even lift? <laughs> I, I, I have been known to lift in the past. All right. Sorry. I'm, I'm done. All right, Seth. You read three chapters. Tell us about it. I did them. indeed. All right. Well, man did pretty much nothing happen in this particular week. Wait, wait, wait. Um, can, can we... We should read off the thing. And now, here's Seth, the guy who doesn't know what's going on. Look, there's a thing right there. Oh, that's <laughs> true. We probably should, you know, make sure people who haven't heard any of this, which is probably pretty much everyone in the world besides four people, um, know the, the basic premise of the show. So now, do you want to lead us with that, Mike? Well, I mean, once... Okay. Once people start being able to download this, they'll yeah. start with episode one because right. that's bonkers to try to like jump into like episode two. You never know what people you are going to do. True. You never Every know. episode could be everyone's it's first. All right. Last week on Dragon Ball Z. Um, so we're <laughs> talking about Elantris, 
which is the first published novel by Brandon Sanderson, and also the first novel of The Cosmere. Um, we are this week discussing chapters four through six, which Seth uh, is, this is his first time reading Wait, any four of through this. six? Yes. I'm just messing with you. I, that's what I read. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tori has read this and the first Mistborn trilogy, and she is working her way currently through the rest of the Cosmere stuff. Um, Craig and I have both yeah. read all We're of 35% it. Thirty-five percent through Wave Kings by now. Awesome! Just all right. Yeah, Craig, Craig, and I are both are both pretty deep in this. Uh, we've we've both read everything. The deep dive portion refers to us. Yeah, we 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 are steeped in the mystique mythos. Mythos. No, yeah. the mystique. Good, good term. Yeah, like Mystique is, you know, I mean... She's an X-Men character. She's awesome. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, Seth is now going to summarize the three chapters okay. that he read. Well, um, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Not, I don't feel like really a ton happened in these three chapters. Uh, definitely some stuff that I took note of. Um, in chapter four, we got to learn a little bit more about the layout of Elantris, uh, kind of how different uh, different groups have organized themselves inside, uh, based, seems like, primarily off of gathering food in one way or another, be it apparently boiling books or uh, straight up, uh, you know, mugging folks. So uh, that's... We get to learn a little bit about the the three, I guess, I don't know what you'd call them, warlords almost is kind of what comes to mind, uh, that are ruling over the area. You've got, and here goes the pronunciation for today, uh, Shayor? Shayor? Tori? Yes, ruling? Okay. Shayor? Nailed, nailed it. Um, was it, it was always the, it was like Kerata? Kerata. Uh, oh, man. This book's going to kill me. <laughs> um and then Aenden. On and I give up. <laughs> okay, so there's S, there's K, and there's A. <laughs> That's a good summary. I like that. Yeah, um, and then you basically have your different levels of of how ruthless they are. Uh, one of them seeming somewhat unhinged. Uh, one of them seeming uh, fair but tough. Uh, and then one of them seeming. I don't know. He's he's kind of a dick, and uh, and his people beat people up all the time. So that not a super nice guy there. Um, but that I mean, honestly, that's a lot of chapter four. Of course, we you know I'm leaving a ton out. Uh, Galadin he gives us a lot more backstory. Uh, we get to find out a little more about Galadin's home, which is really where things started to pick up, and of course that's where the chapter ends. Um, but I am very curious about the Aeons now and why Galadin can apparently do magic, which sounds pretty cool. And I want to know more about that, but we won't know until next week uh, because the chapter ended right there. So not, not, I mean, again, not really a ton going on. They kind of wandered the city um, and, and Raiden was pretty much, Hey, what's that? And then Galen would say, Oh, this is, that's this and yeah it was is pretty much an exposition chapter is what i got out of it fairly um, info dump info dumpy yeah yeah 
Uh, chapter five, uh, of course, we're going to Serene, um, who maintains my favorite character from from last week. And again, we are pretty much just going more into information. We get to meet a little bit of her family. Uh, seems her uncle uh, shows up and it feels like they're trying to lead us somewhere with why he's not in the kingdom anymore that uh, she's from. But we didn't really get a lot into that. It's one of those things where she thought that he was away, settled off on some island when really he was just a few days boat right away. Um, and it no, your, your dog didn't yeah. die, sweetie. It's, it went off to live on a farm. That's correct. Uncle, what would she call him? Uncle K? Or Hunky Uncle K? K. Something, Uncle K? Uh, moved, to a, moved to a farm upstate. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm, my, I guess we'll get into guesses on that later, but he uh, he's married, has a family, and uh, two adopted like two adopted kids from the marriage, and then two kids of his own, and they seem like a, a happy little typical family of rich people. And let's see here if there was anything else that really stood out. Not really. Again, mostly just exposition and backstory in that chapter. So. I feel like I'm not going to be able to give you guys... Well, that's true. Uh, So I I don't think I'm going to be able to give you guys just a ton this week because, I mean, they weren't bad chapters. It was enjoyable to read, but there just is not anything happening presently for me to to go off on. Um, Info dumps happen. They happen. Yeah. yeah. I just suppose when we get to the the Q&A portion, then I might be able to to put it into words a little bit better, but then let's skip over to chapter six, uh, where we get to meet our resident, um, religious zealot. And I guess he's not, I don't know if you'd consider him a zealot. I'm definitely his underling would be a zealot, but, um, I'm more intrigued by Hirathen this time around and getting to learn a little bit more of his, the way his mind works and how he's planning to more or less take over the city and or city state, I guess. And not, I mean, again, there just wasn't a lot that happened except for the very last sentence of the chapter, which just was the most Machiavellian thing that I've ever read. And uh, the sentence was, eventually, right now, we will use them. You'll find that hate can unify people more quickly and more uh, fervently than devotion ever could. And damn, is that not a true story? So um, just not, I don't really have a lot to talk about this week, you guys. It's um, nothing, we're not far enough into the story for three chapters of exposition for me to really start piecing things together. All right. I, think I mean, that's fair. It's, yeah. Okay. So what what we're dealing yeah. with here is mm-hmm. sort of a consequence of the way that Brandon Sanderson writes. Um, mm-hmm. Everything comes together in the end, and in order for all of those pieces to make sense, they have to be introduced at the beginning. Which means sure. that the beginning is a lot of setup. We're gonna see this repeated over and over throughout all of the books that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Elantris, just being the first example. Sure. And I mean, and that's completely logical, and I think it's going to play out well in the long run. It's just for, as far as me talking at length about the subject, there's not 
just a ton for me to talk about right now. So how about we we jump into the Q&A portion? If you guys have any particular things that you'd like to, maybe I didn't think that much about it when I was reading it, but you would like to know my thoughts on it. Um, and then we can, maybe we can expand that way. All right. Uh, let's start out with Aeon Door. What, what you got? Uh, Aeon Door. Hold on. Oh, is that, that's the, um, the ancient. That, that's um, the, that's the magic writing lines in the air. Right. Um, oh man, that's a very good question. Of course, the, the sci-fi geek in me immediately wants to say ancient science, but it's, it's probably not. Um, and I'm guessing this was your, your typical ancient civilization that for one reason or another was able to tap into something that others typically cannot. Um, and then our, uh, our dear friend Galadin, Galadin, um, D- discovers these books while he's down there and ooh 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 actually maybe he has been there for more than a few months he says he's only been there for a few months but maybe just maybe it's been it has in fact been years so uh that that's something that i i might have to contemplate a little bit more but as of right now i'm going to go with that he's you know not not a lot else to do uh but you know besides apparently starve eternally while we're were in Elantris, so we're, he just read a lot of books and somehow is now able to do magic. But the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking he's been there longer than he has let on. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't really a ton to play with with the Rayodin chapter. Yeah. Um, however, I feel like there was a lot going on with the Serene chapter. Okay. So, um, let's let's Go dive with your in. leading questions. Hmm? I'm kidding. I said, go ahead with some, with some leading questions. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you wanted you wanted us to circle back specifically to um, Keen and and his backstory and your guesses thereof. So why don't you why don't you go ahead and throw that at us? Well, um, that's I, I've noticed that he's been gone for about ten years. He's been married for about ten years. So part of me almost wonders if the King, um, Serene's dad, or maybe someone in the the hierarchy of the of politics from their home country. T-O-T. If yeah, I, I'm just not going to go and circle back and try to remember all of that. But um, it'll stick with you. Somebody, too much somebody, longer. pretty much just said that. All right, you're you're gone now. You, you know, you 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 can get married, but you have to bounce and and go elsewhere. You can't stay here. Um, that's, that's one theory, I suppose. And then we have the, uh, the other one of maybe he did something that he should not have done. Uh, he's a merchant, it says. So perhaps, um, some shady business dealings that we are not yet privy to it. I mean, really could go in about a thousand different directions, but I'm going to definitely go with that. It was not of his own will that he left the home 10 years ago. All right. Um, yeah. I have a a quote here that I enjoyed, okay. um, and that'll lead me into my question. And the quote is, "But father's fat." Case pointed out, "Why aren't you fat too, Serene?" Um, how, how do you how do you feel about the about the precocious children? Um, that's pretty much every young child I've ever met. I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I 
I can definitely see my son doing that in a few years and me chiding him, but inside laughing just hysterically. So, um, no, it was, it, that was a very funny part. Um, and, but I, I didn't, don't really have much to expound, expand either one on it. Uh, I feel like I'm being really boring to get today, guys. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I, don't, uh, don't think about it. Um, so yeah, I actually have a bit of a confession. Um, yep. I was visiting a friend in the hospital today, and I mm-hmm. intended to get my chapter reading done while I was there, but he was awake the whole time where I was expecting him to be, you know, sort of in and out of consciousness, so mm-hmm. I'd have more time. Um, I got, like, halfway through the Serene chapter, and I didn't get to start the Serene so, chapter. So what you're so saying I'm, is I'm you didn't do stuck. your homework. Yeah. Wow. Uh, dog I'm, ate your homework. I am. I am a bad boy. That's okay. I mean, I honestly haven't uh, reread. I mean, I, I've read Elantris a, a couple times now, so I'm just going by memory. I haven't looked through it yet. Uh, so, Tori, uh, you would be probably the the best um, <laughs> prepared of us. Well, I have questions. Don't get me wrong. Oh, we'll get we'll get to that. But Tori's okay. actually like read the chapters in question recently. Yes, I have. <laughs> In One addition of us did to our homework. first time, um, just about a month ago, I also reread the chapters before. So, Diloff has some very strong feelings about the Elantrians. Yes, he does. And Rafin kind of doesn't. He's approaching his whole faith with this cool logic. How do we feel about that? Well, that is, in fact, a very good question. Um Jurathan definitely is a lot more logical than I'm used to um, during uh, during arguments about uh, theology and, well, I guess, or religion in this, or very specific religion in this case. So that is something I am watching. He does seem very calculating, uh, definitely not a dumb person, but when you, especially when you go back to the, the, cha- the last chapters from last week when he is reading the the um, what would you call it the passage handed down to him from the I don't know um, the the holy script we can call him the Pope oh sweet I was really wanting to call him the Pope thank you for letting (laughs) me do that (laughs) so um, that when you are when he's looking over that and you kind of understand what he's you can it's man what are the words I'm trying to say here it's it's from his point of view, so you can tell that he actually does feel that this person is very important and that he does believe this stuff, but he's also looking at it from a completely different angle than his minion. So it's it's going to be a very interesting dynamic, either him clearly trying to control everything and then seeing if he's actually able to pull it off or it all blows up in his face. But I mean, he's, as I said earlier, it's the, the way he's approaching this is, is very artful and very tactful. And I, I mean, he is, I mean, I'm very sure that he's going to make a dent in, in the armor, if not actually punch through and, and, and take over the city at least a little bit. I definitely think, that the king is probably going to get assassinated. I'm going to guess it's going to be by a convert who either poisons him or uh, gets a little little stabby 
Um, but obviously that will be to come, theoretically, anyway. I mean, since we're we're talking about this, what do you think of of um the what do what do you think is the overall plan of uh Harithin's um empire what what is it? What is it described as? Is it an empire or a kingdom or what? It's an empire. Yeah, it's empire, an empire. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but so their plan to take over the area, like, like, yeah. like, what do you think? I think, as far as, um, I mean, as somebody who played just a ton of Civilization, um, I think they're really going to go for the religious victory on this one, and just basically <laughs> convert, <laughs> convert, convert as many people as possible, and those they can't convert are. Um, probably going to end up in a in a pit somewhere um probably not breathing <laughs> i love how you put it in terms of of civ with the religious victory it makes yeah, perfect I mean, sense that's the only way i could really think of it but that that does seem like what's going to go uh, what's going to happen but but do you um, think it'll be successful i do you think, think there's a good chance that it can be successful i should say it's i think early. there is a chance it could be successful yes um i i cannot even remotely say how successful it would be um i mean if you're the thing is i don't know with these books how well they follow the typical formulas the typical formula would say he's going to come so close to being successful but then the good guys are going to smack him down um but i don't know if that's the kind of book we're in right now so it it would be very hard to say and we're not going to tell you that because and well good that's kind of the point yeah Um, anyone got anything else? I have a meta question, which we might not, which you might edit out, but that's fine. But what do you think of the pacing that we're doing with this podcast? Like, do you feel like, especially with this particular three chapter group, Mm -hmm. like, do you feel like it was slower and you sort of wish you could, you could get more out of it? Um, like, do, do you wish we did a few more chapters per episode? Do you feel like we should just record a bunch of episodes at once? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I did. I was thinking about that a little bit, especially as I ended the third chapter and was like, "Dear God, what am I going to talk about?" So I, I feel like there's almost a, a few different ways we could approach it. Um, one would be that somebody reads ahead, and once they think that enough, but then again, that's going to be difficult to say because you guys all know what happens down the road. But I was going to say if you read everything that was going on and maybe three chapters is enough, or maybe this time we need to do six chapters or I, I don't know. I think we should definitely keep it in multiples of three because we want to keep it even like that. But I, I genuinely don't know. It's I, I feel really crappy that I don't have a lot to say about this one. So that might be something we need to look into for future episodes. I mean, you've already said quite a bit. You think you haven't said a lot, but you've said a bunch. Um, so my my sort of take on this is mm-hmm. just this specific three chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, we got one good payoff and cliffhanger, and yeah. that was at the end of chapter four, where Galadon starts drawing the Aeon in the air, and right, you see the magic right. start to work. Yeah. Um, and then the other two chapters were more just advancing the plot and introducing characters and info dumping, which is all necessary and useful and great but you don't get that that good payoff that yeah. you or or not so much payoff as you don't get the good like i need to read the next chapter part from sure. either of those you just get it from the rayodin chapter 
Well, I mean, that's... I would say you get it more from the Raiden chapter, but I genuinely could have kept reading if we weren't doing this. I probably could have knocked out this book this week in my downtime. So I I find if if anyone listening has not actually read these books, uh, which would... I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't, but it's it's a very, very enjoyable book so far, and I, I'm genuinely enjoying reading it. It's... I mean, Definitely it's... a bit odd to have to read it with the knowledge that I'm going to have to report on it later. So I'm not able to completely dive in and just immerse myself in the chapters I'm reading, which is mildly vexing. But overall, I mean, I have to genuinely say that it's a I mean, it's a solid book. It really is so far. So I I can't recommend it enough. Um, all of my six chapters in a prologue in. So consider <laughs> this then. <laughs> This is pretty widely considered to be one of the worst of the Cosmere, which isn't to say it's yeah, bad. It's that. very, very good, but all the rest of them are so much better. It's it's his first published novel, right? And he has grown since oh, yeah. oh, writing this and publishing oh. this. Oh, and can we just say though, real quick, um, Mike, you've never been more right about anything than how stupid the names are. Like it is, it is beyond frustrating. Like I can't, I have no basis to remember the names off of. Like they're they're so alien to me that I'm having. I get all the names mixed up when I'm trying to talk about people, and that is probably the most vexing thing of the entire venture so far. Is that the names are killing me. I, I highly recommend you try the audiobook for this because, like I said last week. I've got the Kindle version and the Audible version, and I switch between the two. Um, and having the narrator give me the pronunciation of all the things um, really much... keep them in my Sorry. head. So they browbeat them into you, basically. Yes. The goofy. Although a side effect of the audiobook is that you don't know how to spell the character names, which I think is funny when I'm when I'm checking out the subreddit or something. You can tell when people have only done the audiobook because they do not spell the characters' names correctly ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah no. Which, again, uh, why? Switching between the two. There's like R-A-Y-O-D-I-N. Yeah, I think Rayodin is R-A-Y. Yeah, I've seen that. And I'm like, no, well, that, okay, whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's, if but... you're only doing the audio version, you're missing out on the Aeons and just all of the the little details that are in the end pages and stuff. Um, clearly, I don't have the same version as you, because there's not, like, extra stuff in my version. Oh, well, yeah, the, all the Aeons are in yeah. the back, but... Uh, oh, okay, well, I mean... I, yeah. I, I was also thinking of uh, The Way of Kings, which I'm working on right now, um, and the audio version of that is okay. The, the names are less bad in The Way of Kings, but uh, the end pages are... I mean, there are random illustrations throughout the book, and there are maps and, you know, little charts and things, and it's Actually, pretty cool. I just flipped back there for the first time, and sure enough, yeah. Mm -hmm. These would make some cool tattoos. You <laughs> have no idea. Yeah. There are tattoos that people get, oh, but not it's, not, it's not from a Lantris. Oh, oh, oh. I mean... It I'm I'm I can be reasonably sure that real life people have gotten Aeons tattooed on them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
But I, I wouldn't say it's the most popular of his works. No. To get I tattooed. Would, I would say... Oh. I would say that one spoiler thing that we know, that we all know that we're talking about, but Seth doesn't know about. Should I take my headphones off for a minute? No, you just won't get okay. it. It's all right. Fair enough. Okay. You won't even remember this when we, whenever we get that far. I can arrange that. <laughs> um. All right. So I'm pretty much done with with the non-spoiler yeah. portion. Does anyone else have anything? Nope. Don't think so. All right, clink, Seth, clink, get clink. the hell out of here. Oh, this is where we boot him. Give him the boot. All right, Hi. as ordered. Thank you for having me. Adios. See you next week. Have a good one. All right. And then just a heads up for everybody who is listening. uh, The the second half of this will all be full spoilers. We may not discuss everything, but anything we do discuss will be with within the view of at least the entire book and then also possibly the entire Cosmere. I don't think that's possible. You should definitely say it's going to be Cosmere spoilers in general for all of the Cosmere books. I just, we're going to pull stuff out. Yeah. Like, like we're not holding back. We may not discuss it, but we're not, we're not intentionally like, Oh, you haven't read this. No, this is the deep dive portion. Okay. So, uh, I believe the first portion we have on here, looking back at Tori's fun notes here is, uh, well, what did something Seth get interesting wrong? he said, Something interesting Seth said. Okay. I like that he was looking at the magic system and like, hey, this could be scientific. And I'm like, yeah, Ken. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't know any of that yet because he hasn't read anything by Sanderson. Right. But He's still sort of like, yeah, it's it's a fantasy book, so I'm going to put it, it's magic. But I feel like it could be science. But nah, let's just put it in magic. But I'm yeah, like, he... oh man, you have no idea. And unfortunately, I don't think Elantris is that great of an example. I mean, once he gets the Mistborn, he'll see how scientific this magic system really can be. But Elantris has some of it, at least, with the with the way the... I mean, it's sort of programming. It's, yeah. it's a programming magic system. Yeah, we, we don't have Gandalf summoning the eagle because he suddenly can, and it, he couldn't do it before because that's not what the plot said. Right. It's not the plot dictating the magic. It's the magic system is defined, and then therefore... There's a story that can be written using it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, what what did Seth get wrong? Not much. He... No, uh, I was I was surprised that he uh, cottoned on to how Galadin has more knowledge of Elantris than he lets on, uh, because that was something I was really paying attention to this go round. Mm-hmm. There's oh. a a lot of foreshadowing that that he has experience with the city and that you know, not, not necessarily that he's been there longer than he says, mm-hmm. but just that he knows more about it. Okay. So one thing I, I noticed that he didn't uh, pick up on is the possibility that Keen was not so much a merchant as a pirate. I would just like to take this opportunity to point out that it is Kyine. Well, that's dumb. So it's Keen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow. Let me see. Did the axe get mentioned in the Serene chapter? I don't think it did. There's a big guy. They go to his house. He's got the scratchy throat got mentioned. Yes, that the voice didn't sound quite right. Uh, no, when we get to the house, we don't really get a description. We just go straight to the kids. Dang. Because that would have been a good thing. It'll pop up eventually. Like, that would have been a perfect Chekhov's gun. 
And by Chekhov's mm. gun, I mean Chekhov's giant axe hanging over the fireplace. Right. Um, let's see. I'm glad we mentioned the precocious kids earlier, because I just want to say I love K-Ice, the little girl. She's my spirit animal. I adore um, everything she says in this chapter. Yeah, that was that was Brandon intentionally trying to write a an intelligent child who was also really annoying. Which I mean, she she hits that pretty hard. Of just like, yeah, she's a smart kid, but she's also a kid. Um, what else? What else we got? Okay, so I, I thought he... it was interesting that he's still considering Diloff um, as a, a minion. He's, I mean, he's going to act like a minion, and I, I'm looking forward to that portion of the reveal. Yeah, that was another thing that I noticed more this time around is uh, that you know, definitely the first time I read it, I did see him as just kind of a emotional zealot who, like, was just overpowered by hatred. But you do see that he is crafty and calculating and that there's more to his character. It just the foreshadowing is there, and I completely missed it the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what's nice in general about rereading these books is how much foreshadowing really is there. The info that you can get. And and every time I've done a second, at least my second reading of one of Sanderson's works, I'm like, oh, man, look at this. Oh, look at that part. Like, there's just stuff that stands out um, n- since I know what happens. You had all the clues, I- Mr. Policeman. You could have saved her. Right. <laughs> Uh, although i mean he is also seth is also right that i mean they're gonna try to take over but not quite how he thinks but there's still gonna be something that happens and the good guys are gonna save the day unfortunately it does sort of boil down to being that um right but that's just how the plot of books work sort of i mean yeah um oh something else seth got wrong and has has gotten wrong now two weeks in a row is uh, how Iodon will die. Sure. Which, I mean, that it's pretty fair that, like, he, there's, I wouldn't have called it. Yeah, I don't think anybody sees that coming. Uh, I need a refresher. <laughs> I uh, don't remember. So he gets. I don't remember much about him as a character, just that he uh, sometimes gets in Serene's way. Like, um, he's he, a minor character to me. He spent a lot of time like kidnapping um, serving girls in the right. That's right. In the castle, and then um, sacrificing Secretly them the on, a, on a super yeah. cold altar in the sewers, which is gross. Oh man, how did I forget about that? And it's all done I naked, so there's there's like the possibility that there was rape involved, and it's the whole thing is kind of icky. And I do again wonder if, assuming that there is any sort of magic system tied to that if that one didn't potentially come from Odium's short visit. I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced that we've had any information that the shards can leave investiture like that. I mean the But there isn't really I, evidence that there's much, but if there's even just sure. like a little bit of magic tied to it, then yeah, it could be I think it could be odium based. I mean, so from what we've known, what we've found out about Investiture, it's all based on connection. If you have connection to a particular shard, then you can do that particular Investiture. Um, So I think it's a question of if if he has left enough that you could form connection with his particular shard. But from what we've seen of the magic system in Stormlight Archives, I don't think there's a similar... Oh, wait, hold on, though. 
Okay, but here's okay. Here's because I'm also thing. thinking about the if we look at the the investiture inside uh, of the the Mistborn novels where we have three different types where you have n positive n neutral n negative this could be similar and all shards have that sort of thing where there's an n positive and n neutral and n negative version related to it also um what we get from mistborn era 2 with the trail incursion um it's entirely possible that the investiture from a shard if gained on a different world can work differently. So, like, getting an Odium Investiture on Roshar might work differently than getting an Odium Investiture on Cell, if if that makes sense. Say it again? Oh, okay. So, the whole Trell thing on Mistborn yeah, yeah. Era 2. Um, Which I'm not convinced Trell's a thing yet, but go on. Okay, so Lessie gets a God Medal as a, as a Chondra, and that allows her to... Um, function with one spike and to mm-hmm, swap mm-hmm. out spikes and gain um gain hemallergic and ferrochemical and allomantic powers just just one at a time but she can swap out and it's all because of this this one god metal spike that is gained from a different god not from harmony not from preservation not from ruin someone out outside uh, right. which is claimed in in that book as Trell. Um, current speculation, as far as I know, is that it's probably autonomy. That's the current theory. Yeah. Um, however, if she's getting like any sort of anything from this from this non uh, Scadrial God Metal, it doesn't work the same way as magic on uh, Taldane, which is autonomy's home planet. So, okay, that's kind of where I'm at. So a couple things is that we don't I don't think we know enough of the investiture system in on Taldane to like really definitively definitively say it's this or it's not this because we've seen how varied the the systems can be on different planets. Um, however, I would say like those that are on Scadrial are more interesting maybe because there were two shards there, so therefore you have different interactions between them versus if you look at um. Uh, now is it Nathus? Nathus? Nathus. It, it's Warbreaker world. It uh, well, yeah, the Warbreaker world, where it sort of has a, I would say, a, a more defined series of rules in the way it works. Maybe because it's just based on one shard. Um, but either way, again, I feel like it's based on the connection to a particular shard, and we've seen this with Hoyd and the, what he does in Stormlight Archives since he has connection with the other shards and he can do and use these different types of investiture. Right. But despite being on, you know, Roshar, but Hoyd doesn't. Okay. Hoyd gets the investiture from the, from the home planet of whatever shard. So he gets the breath from Nalthus. I'm saying if he had gained investiture from cultivation, no cultivations on Roshar. Um, who's the one on Nalthus? Uh, that's, um, endowment. Endowment, yes. I don't, I don't if know her he, name. What I'm saying is if he had gained investiture from endowment on another world, it might look and act differently than, hmm. than biochromatic breath. Interesting. So you're saying it's also, what, based on the proximity to the shard, or? Well, I mean, regional, 
functionally. We've we've already got good examples of of regional magic happening just on Cell. Yeah, but Cell's weird. Cell because is because of how it was shattered. It has regional influences. I think specifically because these shards were shattered. Okay, and that's that's part of it. And again, we don't have anywhere near enough information on any of this. I mean, to... keep in mind it was dominion and devotion that were shattered. Dominion could be like physical dominion, like these kingdoms have dominion over a physical location, and therefore it has an influence. I mean, I think that's how the connection is based. And since the shards themselves are shattered, it's just this this blind energy, this investiture that's just sort of like, this is what I know, so this is how we act type thing. Okay, but I mean, I Cell is a great example of all these different types of investiture. You look at Emperor's Soul and how the, the soul binding works there compared to Aeon Door. It's just like, it's almost, it's very different. I wouldn't say completely different, but it's different. Okay, but we also get another example of sort of regional um, investiture on Roshar, where, again, we know that there are multiple shards. Uh, so Honor mm -hmm. seems primarily based in Alethkar. Um, in back when he was still alive, the Alethi were, were the kingdom that fought so that everybody else didn't have to, where cultivation is, you know, elsewhere, in Shinovar, in the Pure Lake, that's where that's where cultivation stuff sort of happens. Um, going to seek the old magic we know is based on cultivation, um, and that's in a very specific place. You have to go to a specific valley for this. So, I mean, we've got examples of of regional investiture on this on in two different worlds with different shards on both. Well, but Rasher is also a specific case. Number one. As far as we know, cultivation is trying to hide from Odium. So, is there would it really be in her benefit to have whatever investiture she has like present throughout all? Or maybe the cultivation investiture is sort of mixed in with honors because, as far as we could tell, they were close to each other. There might have been a relationship between the the people holding the shards. As I far as I believe we that know. was actually stated in a word of Brandon at one point. That so there could be more mixing than you think. There are some things like if you look at lifts. I mean, okay, lift in general, sure, cultivation a lot, but her particular school with regrowth, it's a very cultivating thing. There are a couple of schools that seem more cultivating, you know, under cultivation than honor of the 10 different schools. So I think there's just some mixing there. Right. And but... that's that I think is not explicitly stated, but I don't know. I, f I feel like we can, we can just accept it as, as a given that honor and cultivation sort of mix with all the Knights radiant bits. What I'm more saying is as far as regional stuff goes, um, honor really leaned into the Alethi cultivation went, to the places where stuff can actually grow, the Pure Lake and Shinovar, you know, where there's dirt, where there are these magic fish. There's magic fish in the Pure Lake. Like, we barely get to see any of it, but it's it's explicitly a magic system, and it has nothing to do with Stormlight, nothing to do with Honor. Like, that, one, that one's pure cultivation. You know, you just made me think of something. The very first... I don't know if it's the first time. The first time we see some world hoppers in, I think, wait... Oh, no. Well, Tori doesn't care. Uh, about spoilers. Yeah, we get some spoilers. world hoppers. They're at the Pure Lake. Mm -hmm. They probably c came through Cultivation's... Um, Shard pool. Sure. 
which is I was gonna say her perpendicularity. Well, it's shard pool. It it's shows up. Pool. It shows up in the physical realm as a shard pool. So they probably came through cultivation shard pool, which is probably also where the the night watcher is anyway. Um, I think the the valley is different. We get a lot more information on it in uh, Oathbringer, but I haven't reread that one yet, so I I don't have that one really locked down yet. Um, yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> physically where these things are, but either way, the point is they show up in Pure Lake, which sounds very appropriate considering it's a cultivation type location. And the, the Pure Lake might not actually even be the Shard Pool. Um, we do know that there is a Shard Pool up in the... No, I don't think the, the whole Pure piece. Lake is the, right. her Shard Pool. I'm just saying it's probably located somewhere there. Somewhere near there. Yeah. Um, then that would make the one in the in the Horn Eater Peaks have to be Honors. Right. Because those are not the same place. Correct. I thought it was a given that the Horn Eater Peaks, that shard pool was honors i thought i thought we got that info i don't know I if it was mistaken. ever outright stated it may have been when everybody was in um shadesmar for like yeah, they sort of talk section. about it i don't know i don't I, remember i, need, I, don't I need remember. to get back to oathbringer it's i'm working there i'm getting there okay um, anyway we went off on a tangent which is what happens on these deep dive portions. yeah no this is this is perfect this is prime stuff it'd be better if tori were involved but she hasn't read any of the stuff we're talking about <laughs> Oh, I, I've read some of the stuff that you're talking about um, because I, I don't mind spoilers. So I am all over the wiki and um, every time I come across something that like a new character or a new place or a new creature in any of these books, I, I get on the wiki and I'm looking for pictures and descriptions. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm past the port, the, the point where, you you see the world hoppers at the pure lake and uh yeah i didn't i didn't know any of what was going on in that scene so i i for sure went down the uh the copper mind rabbit hole on that oh and that is such a good resource just it is thank you right if, i, if I anyone... end up with like if, an if entire it... screen full of tabs open because i'll be reading one article yes. and of course is hyperlinked so i've got to open that and that and that I have six tabs open on Coppermind right now. <laughs> I mean, I avoid it like the plague when a new book comes out because I want to experience the book before I start looking into um, the spoilery information, which usually also comes from like words, word of Brandon and stuff like that. You'll, you'll get info nicely compiled on their wiki, um, but that's from things he've met, he's mentioned in you know book signings and readings and such, and it's really good. I feel like I land a little bit in between the two of you because I, I do want to avoid spoilers while I'm reading a book for the first time. But at the same time, if I run across something that I want a little more information on in in that new book, like especially in Oathbringer, I had this a couple of times. I tried to look something up on the Coppermind, but since the book had come out like three days earlier, I couldn't find anything because nobody had updated it yet. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, shout out to anyone who does... Um, add things to the copper mind that may end up listening to this. We love you. We love you so much. You're the best. Um, and related to this, it's not too big of a deal if Seth does happen to look at the subreddit. I will say the Cosmere and Stormlight Archives, which I I, I look at both of those subreddits. Um, they're very good about spoilers. Like they will make sure they tag everything so you don't accidentally read something you don't want to read. Right, but. How far back? I'm not saying we should advocate him being there. I'm saying it's not a big deal if he happens to wander into the subreddit because he could just read the the things that he's already been exposed to. True. 
Um, but I mean, Seth is sort of self-imposing an exile from all of this far greater than than anything I even tried to recommend for him. Like, like he's he's much much more avoiding spoilers than I even tried to suggest to him. Like, so, I, so back back on topic, someone in my chat sort of brought up uh, talking about Stormlight, and I, and and I had a thought. Uh, this was related to both Stormlight and uh, also Investiture, uh, Mistborn Investiture in general, whatever Al- Alamancy. Stormlight itself, we know that Vasher can use Stormlight much like he uses Breath. Um, and so I believe Stormlight itself is just raw investiture that's un... Um, so so there's a term that they use in Era 2 Mistborn where they talk about things being unconnected and and having no identity. Like, it, it basically... It's, it's, it's the bands of mourning. Like, the reason anyone can use them, not just a person who put stuff into them and i believe stormlight is the same like it's not connected yet until you the person using it can then well use it then they connect it to whatever they are connected to themselves does that make sense Mm, sort of i mean the point is i'm not sure i agree but well the point is vasher can use stormlight like he does breath why can he do that is an odd thing where you see other things in, like, Mistborn where, okay, so Ferrochemy, you have to use the metal yourself. You can't tap into someone else's metal mine. Like, that's just not a thing that you can do because it's connected to you. Okay, let's back up ever so slightly. Um, I believe you're making an assumption that we don't necessarily have 100% confirmed, which is that Vasher can use Stormlight like he uses Breath. I'm pretty sure it's a word of Brandon. We haven't seen it in the book. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in the books. I haven't read that word of Brandon. It may exist. It may not. I don't know. Um, What we also haven't seen him do is actually use Stormlight to awaken anything, which is one of the prime uses of breath. But we've seen Vivina do that. She has seen her do the cloaks. No, she has an awakened cloak. She she didn't awaken the cloak. No, she modified the cloaks of her army it's not just her she awoke in the, the cloaks of others to work the same way okay but do we do we know that she used stormlight for that or did she potentially just have a ton of breath that she brought with her mm, i don't know that i gotta be honest we don't know we don't falls, know this falls into the i read Oathbringer once and <laughs> haven't gotten back to it yet so i miss so please stuff. pay attention to that uh, any of us if we happen to do read Oathbringer, maybe even tori will beat us to it and you could just pay attention to that sort of thing. Once oh. you figure out who Vivina is, of course. Well, I, I'm past Warbreaker, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but you haven't seen Vash. We're talking yet. about Stormlight Archives. Yeah. I know. I haven't seen her in Stormlight Archives you yet. You won't. You're right. You won't. I mean, For a while. You don't care about spoilers. She shows up in I Oathbringer. I do not care about spoilers. Dude, um, it was so good when she popped up, though. Like, I picked up on it right away. And the best way, I'm sorry, Tori, just if you don't want to listen, don't listen. Um, <laughs> the, the the best part was the fact that she used the same kind of oath that Vasher does when he, like, like stupid color type thing. She said some kind of, the, the language isn't colorful or something. I don't know. I forget. She said something, and I'm like, holy crap, that's what Zaheel says, and that's Vasher. This is Vavita. And I'm like, oh, man, so good. So good. Um, so yeah, that's actually one of the best ways to, or okay, 
I'm going to get into a couple of things here. That's one of the best ways to spot a world hopper is when they use non-localized idioms. Yes. Um, also, Gal- when Gala, uh, Galadin in on the Pure Lake. I mean, yeah, right. He says, "Understand, I think he says understand." Um, and then mm-hmm. the other thing is when, whenever their physical description is, they have skin of this tone, like someone from here, except they don't have the right hair. Right, kind of, kind of stuff. Um, but that's one of the things I feel like Brandon took from the Wheel of Time and did really, really well is like the the sort of world specific swearing um, yeah. where, where you don't actually like swear in real, you know, cussing that we're trying to avoid for the podcast. Cause we're trying to keep it more accessible to everybody, uh, but it but... helps it. It helps us identify them. That was actually going to be my, my discussion topic for the week. So maybe we just go right well, into that. I don't know. We're at over an hour of recording, which I'm going to have to cut. I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes from the beginning, but I'm not sure we even need to get into discussion topics this week because we've gone on. I'd like to pick one out. No, no, no. We should you should definitely talk about it. But I like that it's a little more organic this way that we just sort of talk about things rather than, okay, let's do this. Like the fact that we could just roll into this sort of thing is sort of what the podcast should be turning into. Um, and, and but real quick before we change topics, I do want to say someone in chat mentioned that maybe Vivina said it's harder to do with Stormlight than Breath. So there might be something that she said related to Stormlight and Breath that we just don't remember. I just because we really only read it once. Reread Oathbringer so badly. I it's all a blur now. I've got I've got basically nothing left of it. Because <laughs> then we can find out is she using Stormlight? Same thing with with uh, Zahil. Is he actually using Stormlight? And I believe they are. I thought it was a word of Brandon, but it could just be a theory. That's well accepted. Well, anyway, that, that does open let's... some questions. Like, okay, if you already have, say, one breath, like you've you've gone to um, Nalthus, you mm-hmm. the one breath that everyone starts with, you now have because you've been there and you've gotten that sort of background investiture. If you then okay. go to Roshar, can you just? breathe in thousands of breaths worth of stormlight and hold it indefinitely because it's all investiture. I don't think you can breathe it in though. You have to use it like um, you use stormlight in general, which is through orbs like near you. Okay. Like you don't breathe it in. Although new new question because, because the, the Knights radiant do Hoyd is Hoyd has Hoyd is now a, a Knight radiant. Of, of, yeah. at least, of at least level two. Sure. Um, he, we know, has, I believe, up to the fifth heightening of breath. Okay. So now... He has he, Allomancy. He has Allomancy. That's not relevant to, to my question here. Okay. Since he's got both of these, can he just breathe in Stormlight and... Oh, nope, tenth heightening. Whoop, looks like I can awaken forever. I don't know. Roshar is now awake. The entire planet. All I know is it's much easier for Vasher to be on what we were told. It's much easier for him to live and exist on Roshar than it is on Nalthus. And I had a theory on that, which is that just sort of he gets the sacrificial breath functionally from the high storm that comes through at least once a week. Like just just being there while the high storm is. Except then he would die during the weeping. Well, I mean, if he didn't have any breath stock. I guess, but I mean, we already know he's got plenty. 
he was down to like 50 at the end of Warbreaker, I think. But I mean, they can get more super duper easily. Breath I'm pretty. Is... I'm pretty sure he's using Stormlight, but we don't have any confirmation. I I don't know. Yeah. We have to reread the Vavina chapters. Well, getting more breath is super easy on on uh, Nalthus. All you have to do is have some money and also have poor people who need money. Yeah, that um, sounds oh. like work. Whereas on Roshar, you just get it from you know the high storm. There was an interesting thing that I read recently. I'm I'm on. Um, Mistborn Era 2, I just started, like, Bands of Mourning, and um, one of the things that, oh god, what was his name? The Lord Mistborn. What's his name? It's, uh, why did you make me forget his name? The Tenai, who then becomes a, yeah. a pewter arm, who then becomes a Mistborn, because... Says his it. name is Spook. Spook. Spook, thank you. That's the one. I was thinking S, and I couldn't remember. Um, so Spook, Spook. in his, in his book that he wrote on um hemallergy listed right. like er, suggested that they get like aging and dying alamancers and ferrucamus to just sort of volunteer to get stabbed through the chest with a hemallergic spike at the end of their life to then pass on their powers um which strikes me as very similar to like functionally how gathering breath works or could potentially mm, work sort on, of on Nalthus. Yeah, but breaths, losing your breath, I mean, it's noticeable on Nalthus because you're a drab, and th there's a difference, but I, I suspect that everyone is actually a drab when you leave Nalthus, because they don't have that, that one breath given at birth type thing, since they, didn't, they don't have the connection to endowment, so therefore, why would they have it? So I believe it's it's different, because it's just a drab. You, you can still live in stuff. So if someone from another world came to Nalthus and they didn't have any investiture. Yeah. They I think they show just look up like as a, a drab. As a drab because they, they weren't born with that initial breath. I believe so. Huh? Interesting. That's my theory. We don't have yeah, any confirmation. I assumed that you would just have that one breath because everyone does. But I mean, I believe also... that is given to you from endowment though. That, I mean, yeah, it could, yeah, I could see it going either way. Um, I'm coming down on Craig's side of this argument. Yay! I mean, that's cool. It's not like a, a democracy. <laughs> anyway, we should we should talk about what Tori wanted to talk about. Yeah, what was your, what yeah, was your thing, Tori? We, we should talk about the things that are related to Elantris while we're working on the Elantris chapters and save some of this for when we get to... Hey, hey. I mean, we, we can absolutely revisit. We'll have way thought. more information available then. Yes, this is Cosmere. We can talk about all the Cosmere. Okay. Uh, so my discussion topic for the week was about the linguistics of these books. Um, in the annotations for chapter four, Brandon talks about uh, Colo. He, which is kind of, he compared it to, in Canada, they end every sentence with A. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's, kind of a, it's kind of a question tag that goes on the end of the sentence and culturally it uh reveals a lot about the doulas uh just how they how they live and how laid back they are and they're essentially canadian right and and <laughs> and, and so just how we were talking about the way you spot the the world hoppers is from you know are they are they swearing differently and 
So that's what I wanted to talk about, just how in all the books, how the people swear and blaspheme and just even even the names in Elantris. So we've talked about how much we hate them, but there is a linguistic mm-hmm. base to it. And I feel like that's something Sanderson does really well. That's a good point. I, I will say Hoyt is really good at hiding himself, though. Compared to other world hoppers, Hoyt is hard to spot. Except that he gets explicitly named in most. Yeah, that's of the, books. the easy part. That's the only reason we can spot him. If if we didn't know it was Wit, like if he never mentioned Hoyt at all, I think he would have been harder to find. But I mean, then you look yeah, at the fair. the world hoppers on like the Pure Lake, and they stand out like a sore thumb. Vavina and Vasher stand out. They absolutely do. Um, Naz doesn't. Is that his name? Did I get his name right? That's the the one who goes with um. With Chris. What's her face? He, he's, he's the map maker, right? Yeah, well, he's he's Chris's information gatherer. Yeah. Like, he goes out and he steals maps and paperwork, and he draws the the forehead tattoos of Bridge Four. Um, right. Which, the only reason we know... The only reason we've even spotted him on Roshar, he didn't stand out. He was pretending to be an ardent and drawing the tattoos... We only find Wait. out that that he's him because there's a notation on one of the, on actually on the the image of the, like the the artwork of the tattoos. Wait, when was this? I completely missed this. Uh, this was in Words of Radiance. Yeah, I don't remember him. Yeah, that's I what don't. I'm saying. I don't know this. That's what I'm saying. Like at one point we get some artwork that is like this is what the tattoos for Bridge Four look like, uh-huh. and then either a little bit before that or a little bit later. Um, one of them talks about having to throw out an ardent who was, you know, hanging around their camp, and that was Naz. Wow, I didn't even pick up on that at all. Yeah, no, he's he's totally so, so there. Some but of them he doesn't give himself away. Some of the world hoppers are much better at hiding, and I mean, I think it makes sense when it's we're talking about scholars here. They do the research. I don't know why Hoyt's so good at it. Maybe he is a bit of a scholar himself, although. Vasher claims he's a scholar. He's one of the five scholars. I don't know. Right, but Vasher is also, like, socially inept. Yeah, sure. Like, that's that's his fatal flaw in Warbreaker, is, like, he's a jerk, nobody likes him, so it's hard for him to get people to, you know, help him do his thing and stop the end of the world. Well, I felt but... like his jerkness was justified. He, he, he'd lived a long time, and he'd experienced a lot of loss, and... Oh, it's it's definitely not not justified. Like that's that's just how he roll. But I mean his his whole thing, the the whole reason why you see him as a villain in, in like the first half of the story is because he's an impersonal a hole where Denth is like super friendly and funny and he makes Whoa. all these all these jokes. Some oh of God. our info also comes from Denth himself where he's like yeah, we can't trust that Vasher dude because nah. right. And I we're cannot inclined... wait to talk Warbreaker with you guys when we get to that book because I saw it totally differently. Well, we're the, we're inclined to believe opening... Denth because Vivenna believes Denth, and she no, I did not. The whole time well, he was talking to her about how you know you can't be friends with a mercenary, it, I was like, yeah, Vivenna, what are you doing? He's he's. He's telling you right now that he's a bad guy. And you're smarter yeah, than Yeah, she never believes him. She's like, oh, that's that mercenary sense of humor again. And it's just so 
bed, but she's also not very good at picking up on those sort of hints and information. Why are we talking about Warbreaker? I loved Warbreaker. I, I, lo- I, loved- I love Warbreakers. I just love going back to reread. It's so easy to just get into. If I want a quick dose of Sanderson, just read this and I'm, I'm good to go. No, I finished Warbreaker in a day. I could not put it down. Holy but crap. The, so. the prologue, or I think it's the prologue of Warbreaker, um, it sort of does set up that thing where he takes the um, the, the prisoner, his his breaths, and, and just the way, the sort of nature they have towards each other. Like, do you really want them to have your breaths? Just give it to me. And I'm like, well, I hate you, but you are a better choice than... Right, that's that's why when when Mike says that Vasher was an a hole and nobody liked him, I'm like, are you sure? I I really, with, with the prologue being kind of from from his perspective, I I really came down hard on the side of him being a hero. Really, I think he's more of an anti-hero, and at least especially in the beginning, you don't know which side he's on. Well, I was on his side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine, and I, I think he definitely has. I think he's likable in terms of a reader, like reading about his character. Um, I'm not sure how he would be like in person if I met him. And oh, of right. course, if he has something to do, he he comes off very abrasive. But when he doesn't have things to do and the fate of the world isn't at stake, I think you could talk to him. I mean, Zahil's a little easier, like you could see, to get along with. I mean, he's still abrasive, but he's not yeah. a bad guy. I mean, two men he's knowledgeable. Spearman. What? Two men live in this hut, Bridge Boy. Oh. One, one of them is a jerk, and the other one is a huge jerk who hasn't slept. Yep. Yeah. I butchered that line. Oh, well. I, I got what you're talking about. But yeah, so the linguistics that Sanderson does, very, very good job. And I, I love that you're pointing out their names, because I didn't, I, I never caught on that. Like, the only thing I noticed with the names in Elantris were that the ions were related to the names or they're based on the names. And I think, I think the book explicitly tells that, but I love how he develops that sort of system or you get to the stormlight archive, especially with Alethi names. And it's like, well, you have to have this sort of symmetrical, but just slightly off type names. Like they all have this different rule that they follow, which probably helps him in coming up with these names. But, um, with, but it's really neat. With the Alethi names, those only apply to light eyes and high dawn yes. dark eyes. Right. Like, the Lower Dawn Dark Eyes don't follow that. Some of the Lower Dawn Light Eyes don't even follow that. Because why would you care what the nobles do? Yeah. Um, So it's very cool. Which is a nice touch that he does that. It's not like, this is the rule and we always have to follow it. You You can feel that this world has developed over time. Like, this is not like, this is how it is and this is how it always was. Um, I always had like this weird feeling about like Mistborn with the fact that the Lord Ruler was in control for a thousand years and it sort of was technologically stagnant, which is really weird. But he does a great job of explaining how that works. And then, of course, you get the Mistborn era, too, where only 300 years has passed, yet there's been so much technical evolution. And yet, even still, they're lacking in certain areas, like when it comes to sea travel and astronomy, because why would they have seen the stars at before? Right. And I, I love the touches like that. And this is just me gushing at this point about how well he actually evolves. I've read too many fantasy series. Uh, like, like, you look at David Eddings, and it has, you know, the... Um, oh, what's his fit? Whatever. The, the main sorcerer dude... Um, 
he like existed for like 700 years and like nothing changed you get the his prequel series and like the technology back ages ago is the same was this no 7000 it might be 7000 and the technology was completely different or the same 7000 years ago than it was like in present day and it's like nothing has changed oh they got better catapults like oh okay and both of okay both of your points yours and Tori's, the the world discrete idiomatic swearing etc and then the the technological achievements and and all of that those are both i feel things that brandon successfully pulled from wheel of time um in wheel of time you have you have the the wheel of time specific swearing which he took that and he just freaking ran with it um so i mean we have we have unique swears to all the different worlds and it's very cool um he also did um with wheel of time like you saw technological advancement happening during the span of of the series which in universe was like three years long but we see the invention of cannons the invention of the steam engine you know and it's very cool and and brandon clearly thought about that and used that and and yeah like he i I don't think he necessarily cribbed it from wheel of time i think it's a necessary part of world building in general just just from a linguistic perspective look at uh well when we swear i I know we said we weren't going to swear on the podcast and and i'm a children's librarian and i shouldn't swear on the internet anyway but for example when when we swear and we use words like damn and hell that's coming from a christian historical perspective uh as swear words when when we say damn we're we're talking about literally damning someone from from a religious point of view and when we when we say hell we're talking about the place where the devil lives and so in a fantasy setting that doesn't have that christian background to pull from they're not going to say damn they're not going to say hell because those concepts might not even exist in whatever religion they've made up for that world except that both of those swears are used in mistborn era 2 uh, pretty much exclusively by Wayne. <laughs> yeah, but that's also because there's a number of different religions that were that existed on Scadriel, and one of them probably was sort of Christian. In fact, there probably is one Sazaid brings up that is sort of Christian in the way it sounds. And I'm not surprised you will, you that you get those kind of curses because why not? Fair enough. And and there's this whole thing about you know Mar uh. Yeah, his name is Marsh, right? Marsh sort of being the devil in some of these religions. Uh, like, less the devil and more death. That's true. I got um, both. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. And it, it's sort of, I feel like it's sort of like the, the easy mode when it comes to writing a story that that people will do if they write a short story, fan fiction, whatever. Well, maybe not fan fiction. Their own short story in their own universe that they world build. It's easy to say, okay, well, here's the quote-unquote hell-type equivalent in my world, or here's the god or devil in my world, so therefore this is how they curse. Because you bring that up. Like, that's sort of like the easy mode, bring up curses that are related to the death or afterlife or the underworld or whatever it is. But, of course, Sanderson does a lot more than just that. But it's, it's a great, like, pointer, like, here's something you can do in terms of your world building, and then you can extend it beyond that. But, I mean... To Tori's point, where it's just sort of a natural extension of being a good writer, 
Uh, I disagree because we have literally thousands of examples of good writers not doing this. I think he right. directly pulled it uh, from Wheel well, of Time because that was one no, of his, no, my point one wasn't of his biggest that, inspirations. Um, yeah, my point wasn't that it's it's just a natural part of being a good writer. My point was I don't think he quote unquote stole it from the Wheel of Time. I think Robert Jordan was an exceptional writer who thought of these things. And I think Brandon Sanderson is an exceptional writer who thinks of these things. I don't think he necessarily got his idea to do his world building this way from the wheel of time. I think if you're a good writer, except that Brandon that Sanderson will come up with that. is an exceptional writer who grew up reading the wheel of time. There's, there's going to be influences there. I mean, you, we, we talked about this before where, he was, of course, a huge fan of Robert Jordan. And it's one of the reasons why he was asked to, to you know, finish writing this. So, yeah, there's totally going to be influences. I don't see why we wouldn't. But then again, who's to say, except for himself, whether it was because of the wheel time that he also incorporated this or the wheel time just helped influence him to make sure he thinks about this sort of thing. I don't think it matters. It either it, it could come from wheel time or... It's his own personal thoughts that also make sense that an exceptional writer has come about. The point is, he does it. Okay. Um, did we get any interesting comments or questions or whatever in the chat? I, I've mostly been relating to them. They're usually about investiture because that, of course, is the most interesting thing to talk about. But nothing else new. Okay. Um, anyone have anything else? Because we're about to hit the hour and a half mark, and I feel like we've got plenty of really solid material to you know it's here. funny when when seth started talking about his summary and he's like well i don't have much to talk about and then i'm thinking to myself well what are we going to talk about after he goes because it's sort of like well he didn't have too many new thoughts and yet here we are an hour later because <laughs> oh. we talk about investiture and linguistics <laughs> i was i was never well, the linguistics thing was related this. to elantris <laughs> it's true it's true there there's a, a reason there investiture is just all over the place and he did briefly see andor so yeah i i was i was not concerned about any of that i could by myself probably feel like 12 solid hours with no additional input from anyone on on various cosmere things adding, this is adding why... people to talk to and yeah like wah. yeah this is why you asked us to do this <laughs> so we can sit here and like discuss maybe one minor little aspect and just go for an hour about it. Well, I will save it for next time, but I did have more Elantris related things to discuss. So I'll save that for next time. I, I did okay. it again. Next time we'll make sure you go first and we can like go with it. I did the thing again where I forgot to mention what the Aeon was at the chapter heading. Oh no. So chapter... I'm going to add that to our agenda so we are sure to mention it next time. Yes, could you please? Uh, yes. So well, can you at least mention six. it now? I am. I'm doing it right now. I'm sorry. Stop I'm interrupting sorry. me. Jesus. <laughs> Edit me out. Uh, so chapters four through six had Aeon Edo, which means protection, safety. Um. Oh, crap. We also didn't get to like any quotes. Well, it's okay. You know what? No, We're, let's let's keep going. I thought you had the one quote. Uh, I mean, I had a bunch. Do do we maybe talk about these things that are related to the chapters and edit out all the investiture stuff? Absolutely no. not. No. No. 100% We just not. move it. That's, that's a terrible idea. You're fired. <laughs> um, okay, so first quote is actually the first line of chapter four. Uh, the woman screamed until she grew too tired, calling for help 
for Mercy for Domi. And Domi, uh, if, you, if you didn't catch it, uh, is not a shorthand for Dominion. Uh, it's actually an Aeon. It's based on Aeon Omi, which means love. Oh, really? Yeah. I always just assumed it was Dominion. Nope. There's a long I there. Domi. Domi. These words are garbage. Does that make you feel better? It does. It really does. I mean, that was one of the biggest problems I had the first time I read Elantris, was just trying to get through the freaking vocabulary. I'm going to continue to say it wrong. Uh, So does anyone have anything else on that? Domi means love. Love is tied to devotion, not dominion. So they're actually praying out to devotion. Yep. Huh. I always got this impression that the like the Elantrans were more related to devotion than they were to dominion. And I always felt the Fjordels religion and and their magic system was more related to dominion. Just the way it came off. Right. And that that's probably pretty accurate. But Domi means means love. That makes a lot of sense. which, Which then translates more to devotion than dominion. I'm glad we got this one little tidbit about Elantris in this section of our talk. And yeah, no, that's, I've got more. Does anyone else have anything on that? It's pretty neat. Well, I noticed last week that I tried to just sort of jump from quote to quote to quote instead of stopping to talk about any of them. Yeah, I felt like with our first episode, we had less discussion and more just statements. And we're supposed to have a discussion. Fair it's because I hadn't typed up an agenda for us like I did this time. Exactly. Oh, You're, sure. You are our lifesaver, Tori. See, that should be pinned. You should pin this. Can I pin this? Uh, you may not be able to, but I definitely can, and I will later. Uh, I tried to pin it. Did it work? I don't know. I'll look later. See all pins. Okay, yeah. so next quote. Works. Now, if she had turned right, like you did, Sewell, she would have been at the dubious mercy of Sheor's men. If she had gone forward, then Aandin would have had the right to her offerings. The left turn is definitely best. Kerada's men take your food, but they rarely hurt you. Just sort of a breakdown of the three warlords and which yep. direction means who. Yep. Um, I don't think there's a ton there. I just wanted to make sure that got covered because Seth has been a little bit light in, in details. Well, he did mention that the, there's these three warlords, so... yeah. And and one is is a lot more is a lot worse than others. So yeah, he sort of got that. All right. Um. So next one. All right. Next one. Uh. In fact, it's so violently bitter that no one can keep it down. It's nice to see that cannibalism has been so logically ruled out as an option. Rayodin said dryly. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> they just... did. Well, they they sort of had to like. Well, why don't you eat each other? And well, here's why. Right, I agree. It had to be addressed, and I like the fact that like Rayodin turned it into a joke where Galadin is 100% serious. Mm. I'm also fairly certain, given Galadin's claim that nobody lasts more than like a year or two, um, at least sane, that people keep trying this. Right. Right, like, like ab- was... about every year or so, somebody, like, somebody who hasn't been told, like, well, why don't we just eat each other, and then tries, and then, well... So... I thought the, the, at least the clan leaders, like, they existed for more than a year, haven't they? I don't Maybe. remember how long they've been there. I don't either. Yeah, I mean, well, we don't really get good information we, from we, anybody. We talk about the, the one guy, I forget. So I don't remember which one of them specifically is which. I okay. need to, like, sort of glance through it. But the one that, you know, eventually becomes an, a sculptor, an artist again. That was... Like, I think they sort of mention 
who he was before and how long ago it was. That was right, Andin. That was Andin. Um, Karata, Karata, Karata. Yeah, her. Kerita. Um, she was the one who was keeping tr- or taking care of the children. Yeah, yeah. And I then remember. Shaor was actually the little girl with the wig that all the crazy people were worshiping. Yes. So, but we don't know how long they've been there. Right. Like all we get is, uh, like you said, um, the and and uh, was some number of months. I want to say we'll get there when when do, we get do there. we even remember to keep track of it. Do they even mention what happened to the Elantrians? themselves like they did all the elantrians when when this uh event happened the the, the chasm like did they, they all current the the ones that existed what happened to them uh, we yeah they see... mentioned that a little bit in serene's chapter uh just that they they were hideous and the servants overthrew them and several of them were killed right out uh during that overthrow and then the rest were cast into elantris and locked inside so, so they themselves transformed when this happened. Right. The Elantrians that were already there turned hideous. Okay. Um, we actually meet one of the original Elantrians uh, later true. on. He's the one who, I don't know if he shows them the pool or if they just take him there and he gets to go dissolve. Yeah, he, he, that's right. He is one of the original. And I think there's a hint that he might be the lighthouse keeper. Did you mention that? No. Okay, I haven't maybe it was something secret history again yet. The, no no no, the lighthouse in the um in in Oathbringer. Oh. He's the one keeping that lighthouse. I thought he died in Elantris. No, he was sent to the cognitive realm. That's okay. where the pool goes, right? Well, right, but I don't know. Maybe he survived and especially since the trans the, since Raiden fixed it like shortly thereafter, didn't he? Oh, I need to time I I'm going to have to reread some of this stuff. Yes. So I don't know the time frame. All right. Um, so what we do find out also later is that anyone who was like good at working the the door, like doing Aeon Door, doing the actual magic, yeah. um, was hit by sort of the buildup of the door, and they'd have these like waves of pain that would potentially drive them insane much, much faster, like Rayodin gets. Makes sense. Um, which would then be pretty much all of the original Elantrians because right. they would all have had a lot of practice working with the door. They'd know what they were doing. And I, I think that's something that gets specifically mentioned later, but it didn't come up in these three chapters. And I, I think, I think there is a bit later where Rayadin learns more about the Elantrians that were there at the time. I think I remember something like that, um, but it definitely didn't come up here. Yeah, yeah, and I think it makes sense because of what Rayadin discovers with how the door works. And just the the ultimate point of this being that of the original Elantrians, the ones who were the most likely to figure out what went wrong and be able to fix it would also be the ones who would have the least amount of time to do so Mm. before going insane. It's it's actually sort of lucky that Rayadin was able to do what he did. Right, but if he he was running out of time. If he, he was hadn't, running out, then we wouldn't have this book because then there there would be, it would just a be later someone book else who someone was else later. Yeah. yeah, and I may be remembering wrong, but I think when he does learn about the Elantrians at the time of the uh, Riode, I think mm-hmm. um, I, I do think it said something about how they were 
some of them were overwhelmed and just shut down at the time. Like, and, and those, I, I think that that would have been from the uh, the the power buildup that we're talking about. Or it could have just been that they were used to being, you know, gods, and then they got brought down to zombies. Mm-hmm. And that the, too. Hmm? That too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, though. We have to, and maybe we'll get this when we look into secret history. But the ire, they. I'm fairly certain they were previous Elantrans. Like, it's not like they're part of the new wave of Elantrans. I think they're part of the old wave, but they transferred to the Cognitive Realm, and maybe it's because they have a different source. Like, just like Elantrans draw off the the way the land is shaped, and therefore they they do all the things and all the stuff, the Iron might have a different source. Or after they transformed, they weren't feeding on the city anymore once they transferred to the to the cognitive realm. Yeah, but uh, right. So what? That's the thing. Why would Elantrans who still existed in the in the normal world? Why were they hit by when the Riode happened? Because Riyadh. they were still feeding actively on the city, and then the city's um, Aeon, the thing that was providing them with all this additional power, yeah, broke. Right, so th- th- that's my point, just that it looks like the, the Ire have a different source, a different city, different ions, perhaps. Well, not, not different, just they weren't actively feeding on the city, they were, they were elsewhere. They didn't get the city as an ongoing power source, like the Elantrians who were in Elantris would have. Does, it, does, so, that, does that track at all? Uh, me, sort of. I think we're sort of saying the same thing. Maybe. Anyway, next quote. Uh, I have the the madness the madness mantras of domi 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 so beautiful once so very beautiful and then stop 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 make it stop which uh, someone want to remix that for me that'd be that'd be a what? banger <laughs> that's horrible uh, anything like, for any it's of those? someone's dying plea that's in like this amazing pain and you're like we got we got to make a song out of that <laughs> yeah I'm gonna say no let's vote no yeah I'm with I'm with you on that one still not a democracy. <laughs> come on surely our two votes at least equal yours <laughs> um all right next quote okay it was as if elantris were intent on dying a city committing suicide mm. which like all by itself could have been the like the last line in the prologue that we all agreed was so good of eternity ended 10 years ago like that's that feels like that same kind of like like an, a nice oomph line yeah that, that, I feel like that stands out to someone who absolutely knows where the story is going. Mm-hmm. Um, so, next one. As he stood, no, watch... Sorry? I was going to say, it's nothing Seth would have noticed. Sorry. Yeah. Um, as he stood watching the city, he noticed a small ball of light floating through one of the streets below. The Sion meandered with an aimless air, occasionally floating in circles. It was far too distant for him to make out the Aeon at, at its center. Um, I just wanted to point this out as the first time we see a broken Sion mm-hmm. in the series. You know, that's something else we got to think about and discuss as well. Probably more in our next or in the future, not even the next podcast, but the the broken Sions. It's like, it's interesting that, you know, they also break down. Like, they have a connection to a person. That much is clear. Mm-hmm. They they form a connection to a particular person, but capital C also connection. yes, capital C. And unfortunately, in a podcast, you can't you can't you know emphasize that. But capital C connection to a person, and of course, they're broken when the person is in the middle of the transformation, 
And right. uh, that's interesting to me. I find it weird that they're... Seons in general, I think, are interesting. Okay, so Seons, the, the properly working ones, are Aeons. Like, there there is an Aeonic symbol in the middle yep. of this, like, glowing ball of light. They continue working even after the the chasm happened. Right. Despite the fact that they should now require the chasm line. I think it's because of the connection to people that they have. They don't have connection to the city. They have connection to a person. Possibly. And it could also have to do with the fact that, that they are splinters of, okay. of, of devotion. devotion, I believe. Yeah, yeah. because the skazes are splinters of dominion. Um, which we get like nothing on skazes. They get mentioned mm. once. Um, anyway, I think because they're, they are splinters of devotion and then also that connection to not even an investment, wait, just, wait. just a human. Karathin has an Aeon, doesn't he? Yes. Or Sion. Wait, uh, now Sion. I'm... He has Sion, a Sion, sorry. He does not have a Skaze. Right, he um, has a Sion, which means he has connection to Devotion. Correct. Okay, cool. Um, but as with almost everything involved with Hraithen, it's, it's, it's purely because of how useful it is. There's a word that yeah, is that sure. that's way better to use that I'm just blanking on. But it's still important Utility. for us to look at the fact that he has connection to Devotion, which I think ultimately shows what happens to him at the end. Like, the fact that he has the... He's willing to work with Serene at the end. Right. But yeah, Horatian's like, whole thing is, is utility. Yeah. If um, we boil it down to that, but I, again, I think we discussed this before, I think he has the most character growth in the story. Oh yeah, it's it's very much like his story as far as, you know, having any sort of real... Like, character starts this way, ends this way. Serene yeah. and Rayodin don't really functionally change outside I think of... Serene changes a little bit. A little, but she kind of... Because she had that whole thing where she gets dumped into a Lantris and then, you know, gets out. Eh, her stuff's oh, minor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm but on I mean, Mike's... it's still... What? I said I'm on Mike's side here. I'm just saying yeah. she has a little bit of character growth. She, she has all. very minimal character growth. Hraithen is the character growth character. Right. Yeah, it, it could be for from a certain point of view very much considered his book, right? Like, like if if like Rayodin... at the end of his first chapter, um, his the last line of Raven's first chapter is someday they would call him their savior, and then if you look at the last line of the book, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, go on. No, you didn't catch that yet, or right Craig? No, I missed it. Okay, the very last line of the book, um. When you speak of this man, let it be known that he died in our defense. Let it be said that after all else, Rathen, Yorn of Shudareth, was not our enemy. He was our savior. <laughs> man, I did not pick up on that when I read through it a couple times, even. Yeah, honestly, if, if like, Rayodin didn't have the whole fixing Elantris problem, uh, it would be Rathen's book. Right. Um, all right, so next quote. What, which, is... fixing? Fixing, um... Elantris and, and the Elantrians and Andor fixing all that, I still think is interesting from a Cosmere perspective. Oh, it it sort of shows how this works and well, at least how the investiture there works and how he's able to fix it. So it's, it's definitely interesting from a reread and a Cosmere perspective. But from a story perspective, yeah, Harithan is like the main character that we should be paying attention to. Indeed. And I'm wondering how long it's going to take Seth to pick up on that. I feel like he yeah. definitely will. Given it's going to be a while already, but I feel like he's, I just want to know how long it's going to take him. It's, it took me a long time. All I right. think it wasn't until the a avalanche that I'm like, wait a minute. 
Oh, I don't remember. It was. A, it's been a long time since I first read Elantris. Uh, for me, it was, and, and I don't know how far into the book this is, but um, when he starts getting suspicious of Diloph and wants mm. to send Diloph away, and Diloph is like, oh, let me just take all of my Odives with me. Um, right. And he has sworn all of these important people to his allegiance, so Hraithen can't send him away. That right about then is when I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. When he starts having problems, and you see that he's not quite the antagonist, uh, antagonist. Oh, I'm kind of wondering anymore. how Diloph managed to convince all of those people to swear those oaths. Because doesn't uh, Hraithen say that like the the Odive oath is a fairly demanding one, and there are lesser ones that that people can swear? Right. I don't know. He's a religious zealot, though. He he's passionate. And it was clear that people were listening to him, and and he just, he convinced them. And I hear a cat. Yes, uh, so <laughs> I'd like to welcome everyone again. A uh, frequent guest of the podcast is My Stupid Cat. Which is named? Uh, his name is Katen, and I think he's pooping. I think that was his wait. time pooping meow. Wait, wait, <laughs> your cat announces when he's pooping. Oh yeah. Come on! Big and loud. The important things we're talking about on the uh, live podcast. Hey, this this provides flavor. Um, <laughs> we're pretty sure he's, if not completely deaf, then mostly deaf. So we don't think he knows he's making that much noise. Oh, okay. And it could, it really could be an announcement, so that way someone will like guard his back while he poops. No, I think it he could, just wants to let us know. It it, it could be in a nature thing and. Uh, hey guys, oh. I'm leaving you a wonderful present. All right, go on. More quotes. Uh, that is a full Gjorn, Aishi. There are only 20 of them in the entire Fjordel Empire. So just wanted to have that as, holy crap, there's only 20 of these. And there's one here right now. Yep. Uh, next up, maybe someday you people will realize that your empire collapsed 300 years ago, uh, which was the collapse of the militaristic portion of the Fjordel Empire. Um, but as Seth put it in Civ terms, they, they decided to swap to a religious victory. Yes. Um, I would just like to point out that it really struck me on this read-through how very, very dumb the king seems here. Like, just unforgivably dumb. Oh, like... He's... He's written to be as unsympathetic as possible. He's right, but oh my gosh, how did he even become king? He's he's so dumb. He he was born into it. Right? No. Well, no. He was he was the head of the merchants guild after oh, everybody else right. abandoned um abandoned the cities around Elantris. He was still there, and he happened to be I think the it's... head of a of a fairly important organization and also fairly rich. I, he was the only one willing to do it. Right. Um, but you know, like Iodon is is built up as sort of a starter villain for um Serene. So dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he he's the easy one to overcome, and then you have her problems with Harithin, which are much, much more difficult. And that brings us into our next quote, which is Yes, she said. Perhaps Iodon and I can get along by just ignoring each other. What in the name of Burning Domi are you doing back in my court, girl? The king swore from behind her. I just thought that was a nice little Gilligan cut there. Right. <laughs> uh, 
of we'll just ignore each other, and then he immediately doesn't ignore her. Yep. Uh, next up is Aishi Snorted. You know, I've never been able to figure out how you say on Sion's manage sounds like that, Serene said. You don't have nose, noses. How can you snort? Which is just sort of an entertaining little line. I like it. Yeah. Uh, next up is he looks familiar, my lady. I'm sorry, my memory isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring this one up because it sort of shows that Sion's, despite all their cool powers and abilities and what have you, are not magical computers. They forget things. Yeah. However, we saw in Chapter 2 that um, Aishi can quote um, her marriage contract verbatim. So, what? Right. Well, so it's just like with people, you remember things that you wish to recall. Like, that you purposely think of and memorize. There are things I remember as a kid because I memorize them. There are, I don't remember what I ate for lunch last week, you know? it's Well, the thing he couldn't remember was who Keen was. Kyine. Kyine. Keen. Who is that? <laughs> uh, Hunky K. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Serene's uncle. Yeah. Driok Crushthroat. Spoilers. Right. Um, ooh, the next thing I have is actually related to that her uncle key kyine keen her uncle k just say whichever you want to say her uncle k laughed his odd scratchy voice making it sound more like a wheeze than a chortle so we get right there that early the the throat issues which then leads to the rest of the like his reveal eventually but we get pieces of it that early can you can okay see again i remember overall things but they're I clearly didn't remember that much about the king, and I don't remember that much about her uncle. Okay, her uncle. So, tell um, me. Her uncle is, was, uh, the most dreaded pirate of however many seas Cell has. Yeah. Um, and was known by the name Driok Crushthroat, uh. which we later learn was supposed to have been Driok Crushed Throat, C-R-U-S-H-E-D. Mm. Because he took a uh, a blow to the throat and it screwed up his voice for the rest of his life. Okay. But his whole story is, um, as a young man, he went out pirating and spent quite a while exploring and robbing ships and just, just generally marauding Dread Pirate Robert style. Uh, before he came back to his homeland of Teod to find that his younger brother, Ivantio had taken the throne. So they had a fight. Ivantio won, and Kyine left uh, to go to that one place. The place where he lives now? Kei. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ivantio just told his daughter that, oh yeah, no, your uncle, he, he's off He's off exploring. Yeah. Your dog's not dead. He's living on a farm upstate. He totally was, though. So, so yeah, that's that's the short version of his story. So most of your quotes come from Serene's chapter. Because that's as far as I got. Oh, I was going to say, it, or is it just because these were the most interesting? Um, I mean, they were interesting. She has a lot more interesting stuff happening in her chapter, especially, you know, introducing important characters. Yeah. Um, although Rayodin, at one point, I didn't make a quote of this, I should have. Uh, he wonders if... Um, a few of his people are still having their meetings. Right, he names point. all oh, right. the people that then appear in Serene's chapters. So when they show up, you're like, oh, look, it's yeah. those people. 
And then Krathen, I don't feel really had much going on in this. Again, I didn't reread. I just sort of skimmed. Um, But his Uh, was mostly just... So in Krathen's chapter, he has uh, Diloph take him up to the top of the walls, looking down on Elantris. And um, he's just looking out at the city. And he sees an Elantrian running by... And he he comments on how, you know, they used to be gods and now they're little more than beasts. And I think in the uh, annotations, Brandon says that 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 is meant to be Raiden that he sees down there. Um, And so at that time, um, Raithen asks Diloph um, to talk about the Elantrians. And he talks about how they... Um, you know, they did used to do wonderful things and now they're terrible and Diloph kind of goes off on a crazy rant about how he hates them. And um And yeah, the big the big thing. And there oh is yeah, I'm looking he... at page eighty seven. Diloph also mentions how um after the Riode the um the Elantrians he says there were a few left. Most had been killed in the riots. Those remaining were confined to Elantris, as were all men that the Sheod took from that day forward. But yeah, so, the, the big thing there is that Diloph hates Elantrians. Yeah, yep. yeah. And um, like I pointed out with Seth, just that uh, Diloph is very emotional about his hate and is, is described as just like spitting mad and Hrafen is not. He's um, He looks at the situation and judges it and is, is just kind of very logical about even when he talks about how they're going to um, turn the people against the Elantrians, like they're going to use the Elantrians as the bad guy. He's going to portray them as being the, the Sfrakis or the, uh, their, their religion's equivalent of demons um, possessing these Elantrian bodies. Even when he's talking about his plan to do that, he's, he's not emotional about it. And um, there's this line... Diloph regarded Hraithen for a moment and spoke. You don't really believe it, do you? He asked, his voice uncomfortably accusatory for one speaking to his Rodin. Hmm. And he he doesn't believe it. He he believes that it is a good and logical way to convert the people, and that's why he's going to do it. And that's a good enough reason for him. And that's also a, a quick little hint that Diloph is He's not got a line he later, he says, We are religious men, Artif, and we must have religious enemies. The Elantrians are our Sfrakis, no matter if they possess the souls of evil men long dead or evil men now living. All right. And that's all I have to say about that. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, Hraithen will become way more interesting later. Um, Serene gets cool political stuff, and then Raiden gets to explore the magic system, such as yep. it is. You just gave a summary of Elantris. There we go. That's the book. <laughs> Come back next week and we'll be starting on uh, Mistborn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of coming back next week, that strikes me as an excellent place to stop. Somebody say something. Something. Good good night. night. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.